Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my review of The Ruinous Effigy, both the gun and the quest. I'm going to give my thoughts on it. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can support me and the podcast directly by going to SNTRPresents.com. SNTRPresents.com will take you right to the Patreon website. And you can subscribe there, become a patron, and that gets you in the Discord. That is where you can submit questions and even listen to these. There are people right now listening to me record this, interacting with me for both this and the Q&A, and you can do that with SNTRPresents.com. If you're on YouTube, hit like, share, subscribe, and the bell button. That helps me out. So I'm going to tick off. I'm going I'm to like read the steps of the quest. If you don't know them yet, It's not that mysterious and it's not that difficult. It's a little bit of busy work. Uh, So I'm going to go through. I'm going to give you some tips on what I did that seemed to make some of the steps go a little bit quicker uh, for the Ruinous Effigy uh, quest. And then I'm going to get my thoughts on the quest. Um, Every time there's an exotic quest, people either say it's terrible, it's too short, it's too grindy, it's whatever. Uh, I'm going to try and provide some thoughts on how they could start to rethink the way they're approaching the uh, not just the quests, but you know, going into old areas of the game. Then I want to talk about the gun. I want to end by reviewing the gun. So let's just read off the quest steps. You have to get the quest from the prismatic recaster. It's next to Drifter. Then you got to do interference. That's your weekly mission. Uh, that's that means to an end quest line. So you have to do both of those. So that requires you to play contact, and then uh, I usually just go into reckoning. Then you got to collect twenty-five calcified light fragments and defeat fifteen Savathun marionettes. And uh, then you got to go back into Gambit or Reckoning, get Void Kills and Precision Multi Kills. That one doesn't take too long, depending on what tiers you do in Reckoning. It can go a little bit faster if you do the higher tiers. And then visit the Umbral Decoder, and then you get the gun. So those are your quest steps. Now, the Marionettes was the part that got a little tedious, and the best result I, I had was I would go to an area, drive around, have you know have some buddies with you, and call out when you find one. And then obviously go kill it together. After you get two or three marionettes in an area, just go somewhere else on IO. It just we would get two or three, and then there were we just they wouldn't spawn again. They didn't seem to be a recurring uh, spawn. So it would have gone faster if I would have kind of realized that. You know, I would get two or three, and then I would drive in circles and circles and circles and circles, and then nothing would be there. So it seemed like every time we would go to a fresh instance it helped with the spawn rate of the marionette. So that would be my advice to you there. As far as the fragments, that one can be a little weird. You just, you get your ghost out, and as long as you're within about, like, you know, 200 meters, it'll tell you where they are, like a little, almost like a little diamond, you know, quest point. And the best way to do this is to, you know, go to the four planets, there's the most on IO, and just sort of walk the perimeter of the area of the areas. It's not that hard. It, again, is just more tedious than anything. I just found that to be the best way to do it. You could go watch a guide video, but by the time you watch the video and you're, like, looking back and forth between the YouTube video and your game, you could literally just walk the perimeter of these areas with your ghost out and get these fragments. Doesn't take that long. And, again, I think you only have to be about 200 meters from them. So as long as you're walking the outside area of the, uh, the the maps, you can find them. So, now let me get my thoughts on the quest itself. I, it's not that it was hard, it's just I'm never a big fan of having to do what feels like driving around and waiting or looking for an HVT, a high-value target. If you remember the, the bounties that you could get, well, you can still get them from Spider uh, whenever you're trying to get, like, the, you know, enhancement cores. You would, a lot of them would literally be go and stand around and wait for an HVT. 
And I'm never a big fan of that. That's not really content. Standing and waiting for something is sort of the antithesis of content. You're just sort of sitting there and like waiting uh, for, you know, somebody to show up. And that's kind of what the marionette thing felt like. Now, again, if you take my advice, you probably won't have as bad of an experience as I had because you'll be able to instance, find one, two, maybe three, and then just go somewhere else. Don't stay in that area. And that can feel a little RNG and it wasn't bad. So I don't want to like harp on this, but I would say, you know, for, you know, for quest design, for exotic quest design, I would steer away from, uh, this type of thing. And then the gambit and the reckoning focus. Now, obviously I am very biased against both of these game modes. I don't like gambit at all. I don't, I think I still think reckoning is really not that great. Uh, so their inclusion this season obviously makes sense. Cause we're down in like, you know, drifters headquarters, and you're, you know, I'm weekly having to do a little bit of, you know, reckoning or I'm not doing the gambit, but you can, but I've been doing reckoning just as like a, well, I, you know, I got to do this for the, for the weekly thing. And this is where I want to draw a distinction between repurposing old content and just reusing it. So I'm a huge advocate for repurposing. And a lot of people get, you know, harp on me about this. Like, oh, you're defending lazy development. That's just a reskin. That's not new content. Repurposing something to me is not the same as just reusing it. So if you were to repurpose Reckoning and Gambit for this season, we would be going into Reckoning and Gambit and potentially getting something new. So when they say they're going to reinvigorate core activities, I don't think having Umbral Ingrams with a chance to drop in all activities, that's not reinvigorating and it's not repurposing. You're just sort of throwing the seasonal stuff everywhere, kind of like candy, like, well, yeah, it'll drop anywhere. It would be better in my mind to repurpose stuff like this. If Bungie knew going into the summer, which obviously they knew because they designed it, they know going into the summer, they're going to be regularly having you go into Gambit or Reckoning. Why not have a couple of unique guns or updated Gambit or Reckoning guns dropping in those particular areas of the game? That's repurposing, okay? Reusing is just like, well, we need some quest steps. Make them run some Gambit. Make them run some Reckoning. Now you're just reusing it. You're not repurposing it. And that's when I think that's a valid criticism that we can make as players to be like, you're not really giving me substantive or or, or loot-based reasons to go into these areas. It's just like a tedious piece of homework and I know this is just an exotic quest but it's a good way to sort of enumerate why that we should really harp on the difference between repurposing and reusing I like the idea of saying hey go into like this week for moments of triumph go and run these raids you haven't run in a really long time I like that but it's fundamentally just reusing old content rather than repurposing it repurposing would be age of triumph you went back into the old raids there was new stuff to get there was new ornaments the guns had been updated and then that to me is a very, very clear distinction between repurposing and just reusing. And so the quest isn't bad, but it certainly isn't good or great either. And, I, you know, it's it's not going to take you that long. So I guess that's kind of the silver lining. So now let's talk about the gun itself. It's actually kind of funny. I didn't read any of the data mines and my son was describing what would be a cool weapon to him. And he said, you know, turn the enemy into a bomb and throw them. And I think he's... 
uh, he's thinking of that because, you know, we've been playing uh, Zelda, Breath of the Wild. And so that's what this gun does. You shoot an enemy and it puts a bomb on the ground and then you can use that bomb for a variety of things. And you can kind of read the description here. So if you light attack... If you, so if you're a controller user, if you do like a light attack, it's just like a it's just like a melee heavy attack. You like slam it on the ground, and then left trigger, you like drain you you do like a life drain. It guards you and drains them and slowly kills them. It's actually kind of cool, uh, and it's obviously a trace rifle. I am a huge fan of trace rifles, so I, I I was I was excited about it. It's cool that it looks like it's kind of like cut from the tree, you know, that's in the, uh, the new area that we're constantly going to with Era. So. The gun, as you would expect from Bungie, it looks and sounds and it just feels great. It's a really, really solid weapon. Obviously, a unique mechanic with the transmutation perk on it. But this is probably not going to be something you're going to be taking into endgame environments or, you know, boss fights. Now, there could be areas where it'd be really, really helpful. Uh, maybe even in the contact public event because you're constantly making these balls and slamming them down and getting really big multi-kills or just, you know, good survivability with the drain, you know, the drain attack. Uh, and so I, I love it. I love the idea of having a gun like this. It's unique. It's it's powerful, but it's probably not going to be like an end game DPS weapon. And I think that's okay. I think a lot of the times that's the first thing we do when we look at a weapon is we're like, well, can we bake a boss with it? Can we melt a boss with it? Not every exotic I don't think needs to fall into that category. So I actually want to defend this type of weapon. I think it's okay for Bungie to make cool, fun you know, powerful weapons. If you think about, you know, most of the community is hanging out in, you know, strikes and public events and contact and, you know, seasonal content. And this is perfectly fine for those environments. So I think it's fine to have a weapon that sort of lands on the 90% of the game as opposed to just the top 10%. To me, it really drives home that I want more trace rifles. I still would love to see legendary trace rifles showing up. I don't know if we're going to maybe see more of them because with stasis coming in September, that might be an opportunity to add more trace rifles because stasis is basically ice, you know, freezing, and that would be perfect for trace rifles. Uh, I think fun exotics are fine. So I know folks are always going to break it down and say, you know, oh, it's either, oh, it's OP, it's broken, or ah, you can't melt bosses with it, and nobody's really ever happy. I think it's fine just to have really, really fun exotics like this, and the quest to get it wasn't terrible, uh, but I do think they uh, they could consider maybe adjusting some of the quest structures, and also really trying to drive home the difference between repurposing and reusing content. So, if you want to support this podcast directly, just go to sntrpresents.com. That allows you to get in the Discord, listen to these sessions live, and submit questions and interact with me uh, while we're in this interim period, figuring out where I'm going to go to stream. And uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, uh, I appreciate all your support. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a Q&A session that followed my Ruinous Effigy Quest review as well as a review of the gun. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can support me directly by going to SNTRPresents.com. That'll take you to the Patreon. 
And that enables you to join the Discord, submit questions. You could even co-host with me or pick a topic as a patron of the podcast. So SNTRpresents.com enables you to do that. Let's jump in right into the questions today. And also, if you want to interact with me while I record these, we're in a kind of an interim period right now. People are in Discord right now listening to me and going back and forth like we're in the live environment again. So uh, we're going to do this until we figure out where I'm going to stream again. Uh, MG Avenger, do you think that a quest as tedious as this with the marionettes, calcified fragments, as well as Reckoning and Gambit could be implemented in better ways than how it was with the quest? It felt like a drag to do these things, but when you did something like the swords in D1, people did the grind and look fondly back on it and they meme it to no end. So I think there has to be some way to appease everyone. Man, it's... I don't know. Here's the thing. Whenever you look back on D1... And people think fondly on something that was really grindy. I I I call that into question, and, and I get kind of suspect of that. You know what I mean? It's like you're not thinking fondly on the grind itself. You're thinking fondly on D1 and having an actual reason to play. It's like it it seems just crazy to me, right? I know people are different, and I know people have different viewpoints on the game but the people that like defend leveling up the gun by like going and getting relic iron like oh i love that i'm like you did you loved that you loved running around on mars in a circle and going into rooms and holding down x you know killing a few enemies here and there it's not a quest it's not a strike it's not a content loop it's not like Archon's Forge. It's not like Sundial. You're literally running in a circle and holding down X on little piles of rocks. Like, that's not content. The reason people think fondly of those times, I'll tell you why they think fondly on those times. They had nothing to do, and then suddenly they did, okay? When you're really thirsty or really hungry, you're not super <laughs> critical. You're not suddenly like a foodie or a food critic when you're wolfing down a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something in an airport because you're starving, right? It, it tastes amazing. A mediocre burger tastes like the best thing you've ever eaten because you haven't eaten in, you know, 10 hours or something. And so people think fondly on the sword grind or grinding weapons or whatever because that was literally the only thing to do they were like oh there's nothing to do in destiny well now i have something to do and so they want to go and run and do that none of this none of that level of grind fits in destiny anymore it doesn't none none of that fits why well because we're getting so much regular injections of content now. We have so many more things to do, so many more content loops to run. I, you, there, it wouldn't square. It's like, oh, I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna go do this, and I'm gonna do, go do this. And this quest is a perfect example of why it wouldn't square with content rhythm right now. Why? Because you're like, oh, I gotta, I, I gotta go do all these unnaturally weird, grindy things, and it completely disrupts your play flow. I gotta drive my sparrow in circles on IO and look for marionettes. I gotta walk around with my ghost out looking for fragments on these planets. That's play flow disrupting, and that's why it's so jarring. This is why you couldn't be like, hey, here's a new weapon go run around and get phase glass needles on IO so you can level it up. Well, most of us are destiny rich, right? We would just go buy all the materials from spider, but everybody else that's not would end up getting very frustrated, right? 
Somebody in chat is saying, I farmed the marionettes on Titan. It was way easier. We'll take that tip from chat. If you're listening to this and you haven't done the marionettes yet, there you go. That's a tip from chat. So, the... The, the nature of our play flow right now and the content loops we run, this is exactly why, okay? He's saying go to the rig. There you go. Rig is the easiest. Baker uh, is, is chiming in as well and saying the rig is the easiest. There you go. One of the reasons that I really tried to draw a difference between reusing and repurposing content is it's along these lines. Instead of being like, oh, go run Reckoning. Go run Gambit. Why? Well, because you have to for the quest. It's like, well, couldn't you put something in there? Couldn't you have something dropping, something going on, something new, you know, to dress it up? That's repurposing. If there was suddenly, you know, new loot in the menagerie, that's repurposing the menagerie. It, it now has a new purpose. It has been repurposed. It's purpose. You know, I go in and get these guns. Reusing it isn't the same. Go run menagerie. Why? Well, uh, this quest requires you to run menagerie three times. So you got to get, you know, you're getting a little notch on your on your belt. And then it isn't very satisfying. It feels like homework. I'll give you another more extreme example. Do you remember the grind for the loaded question where you had to do an absurd number of strikes? Well, that there's nothing satisfying while you're doing that. There's no chance of something dropping. There's no excitement. There's no there's no, you know, oh, I get a little dopamine hit like, ooh, you know, none of that's happening. Why? You're just counting down the frickin' strikes. You did the same thing with the breakneck. You're literally just counting down the gambit matches. You're like, oh my gosh, when is this going to be over? There, there, there's an enormous difference between that and when I was grinding the dungeon. Why? Every time I grind the dungeon, every time the dungeon ends, you know, there's a chance. Oh, l- look at the stats. Oh, well, look at the roll on the Ikelos. Every time, instead of being like, no, run the dungeon 25 times, and then you'll get a god roll Ikelos shotgun. Well, that's not exciting. That's just a that's just a homework assignment. That's literally just a, yeah, do this 25 times, and then you'll get what you want. And then it's like, then you're sort of done. It's just like a transaction of time sync. So a tedious quest like this, I think is a perfect example of how Bungie needs to rethink that sort of thing. It's okay to have quest steps, but I continue to think you're going to get a much better, you know, result and player experience if it's more of a repurposed than just a, a you know, a reuse, a reusing. Hitman with the next question. Sorry if this is long-winded, but I feel the problem with the current exotic quests is there are way too many tied to quests and not enough go and get special drops or world drops. I think what I missed from D1 was playing Strikes or Crucible in the hopes of getting new exotics, and then when we did get the quests, it was like, ooh, something different. Now, they're practically always tied to quests and feeling very samey and mundane tasks. Do you feel that they need to start utilizing more variety within exotic weapons? Some go to RNG, some are special boss drops, some see quest seasonal level it's etc that's a really long one it's okay hitman's a vip so i'll let it slide um <laughs> i can't have all the vips writing questions that are this long it doesn't even fit into the box <laughs> it doesn't even fit into the box hitman we need a hitman to start you know killing off some of the words in your paragraphs here anyway um it is a good question though because this is where repurposing could come from, okay? Hey, Hotshot, I hear a rumor something's dropping in Reckoning. And they're like, oh. And so you go run Reckoning. And then all of a sudden, 
there's like this exotics dropping for people in reckoning oh what is that thing oh my gosh oh it's got a catalyst how do i do the catalyst oh you got to go run control or, or i'm sorry contact you go run the contact public event do you see that's repurposing reckoning not go run reckoning to get this number to go up there's such a big difference between the two you can re you can do two birds with one stone here right you repurpose something so instead of just reusing it and you recapture what hitman's talking about the excitement of something dropping in the game for the longest time when this subject has come up i've always said there's a spectrum of exotic delivery sometimes you get an exotic from you know uh, you get it from just like the season pass right it's just like it's just there it's just there in in the season pass and uh, you can just you can just grab it. And you're like, yay, exotic. Sometimes it's like the Devil's Ruin. Sometimes it's like Divinity and Xenophage. There's this elaborate quest, and they go in here and a new boss. I love that boss, by the way, in the dungeon for the Xeno. The boss was so cool. What a great mechanic. And then you have ones like this, where it's it's more of a tedious checklist. So you have like the freebies, the really, really short ones, the convoluted, and then you have like the checklist quests. You know, this is a checklist quest for an exotic. Well, I mean, I'm okay with all of the different types, but when we're talking about the quote unquote checklist quests, I think they could, you know, they could afford to go into a direction that is a little bit more like, um, you know, as I said, more about repurposing, maybe a little bit more excitement, or along the lines of what Hitman is saying here. Like, do it in a way where, you know, do it in a way where there's uh, there's some excitement, there's something dropping, there's like a, ooh, the moment, instead of, yeah, you go grab the quest, then you gotta go kill these marionettes, then you gotta go do, grab these fragments, then you gotta go into reckoning, then you get, then, oh, and here's the gun. Right? It, nothing along that that pathway feels substantive or or you know cool or anything i don't want to overbake this cake and over criticize a pretty basic quest i just think as i said in the video it's not bad it's not a bad quest but it's not great either and i think they could get they could do better than just laundry list reusing old content doge in your opinion, how viable do you think Ruinous Effigy is for endgame content like raids and dungeons? Well, in my video, I'm probably going to get a lot of, uh, I'm probably going to get a lot of, you know, comments on this, because I was like, I don't know if it's like endgame DPS viable. Well, apparently, you know, the catalyst really, uh, really takes it up a notch, because you can, uh, you, you can, like, get that damage debuff, and, like, stack it on with some other things. So, there, there is some potential that this thing could be pretty strong end game viable. Um, I've not experimented with it yet. I don't have the catalyst, so maybe my video is a little premature. Catalysts usually don't do that significant of a change. So, getting a, I think somebody says like a thirty percent damage uh, buff or debuff or whatever to enemies that have been hit by it. Um, that's pretty significant, especially in a season where we already have oppressive darkness does it stack on top of oppressive darkness would be um that would be my question because if it stacks on top then that would really really change people are saying yes it does well then that is that yeah that's kind of absurd then um i could see people really start experimenting with it i here's the only challenge that you're going to be faced with you can't hold the ball for forever can you 
doesn't just eventually disappear because you, a lot of times especially in raids and stuff a lot of times you're dealing with a t- like a, a timing issue are there any ads for you to kill to create the ball to then have to throw at the boss right so if you're you know I'm thinking like Garden of Salvation and some of these other encounters where by the time you get to DPS phase no one can have a ball anyway I don't think it even la- how long does it last on the ground if you just like leave it there I don't even know I've, I've, I've messed with it a couple of times I liked it too I was like oh you can slam it you know you can do the drain you can just melee people Avengers saying it lasts a long time so you might start seeing strategies come around that you make one like leave it on the ground around 30 seconds okay that might not be enough time though I don't know it, it, certain boss fights sure it might be enough time I'm just thinking you know you got some boss fights where well 30 seconds is actually a really long time in a boss fight because you clear all the ads in garden stun him and then he goes up there's no way that's longer than 30 seconds I'm pretty sure that's shorter than 30 seconds Nagi with the next question do you think that they stopped putting anti-champion perks on the new exotics because they have a new plan for anti-champion mods or perks man I sure hope so (laughs) I sure hope so because man oh man it just seems like such a vacancy right now Doge is saying I brought it to the dungeon and was absurdly strong for ad clears while guarding and it can be paired with the guillotine you can literally run around in the open guarding and kill all the ads during the phalanx encounters okay so it there it sounds like there are areas where you know this uh you know the balls you can create with this thing are uh you know they're going to be helping they're going to be having an impact on certain encounters especially ones where there's a lot of enemies and everything is kind of close quarters um could certainly see that so now back to this question though about you know anti-champion that that entire system i think just needs to be completely you know reworked to a certain degree i think it needs completely reworked because number one i i don't think they've gone far enough with it I think you need more champions in content and then give us a champion mods like chamber on a weapon so my auto rifle can have both overload and anti-barrier and if I like hold down X it toggles between the two and now you are completely justified to add way more champions. I don't think they're using champions enough. And this also then would give grounds to say, well, we need champion mods on exotics now. You know, we need that that slot. I would say it would be its own separate thing. It would not be uh it would not be just on its own. The fact that this thing doesn't even have overload, the ruinous effigy doesn't even have overload is just really odd to me. Um or anti-barrier, I don't know. Or what would be really cool what they could have done with the ruinous effigy was the, the 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 orbs that you can create and throw they could be like universal you know it could it could pop an anti barrier shield it could stun an unstoppable and it could you know stun an over you know an overload that would have been a cool way uh, to make this thing like almost like a one size fits all uh, but you have to create the ball first kind of a thing so at least it would have required some thought at a ground level though I want to see champion. And champion mods um, rethought. I want to see them rethought because the uh, the idea that you can't put it on exotics, I think, is silly. The idea that you put it on a gun and then 
Like, think about how many times champions show up right now. You know, you go into a room and there's like maybe one, maybe two, and it's taking up your entire mod slot. So it invalidates anytime you go into endgame content with champions, all those other mods are completely invalidated, and your gun is running, you know, anti barrier or whatever for, you know, the entirety of the content. Now, add in addition to this that a lot of people just bypass them, either with swords or when people were running like, you know, Divinity with double Izanagis. It's like they're just bypassing it. They're just doing so much damage. They don't even want to mess with it. So I don't think they're taking champions far enough. I think they need more of them. I think we need more freedom. Take them off of the, uh, the artifact. Make them standard mods. Give them their own slot so that when they're in when, when they're in that slot you know you can toggle between them smoky lona are you satisfied with the quality of exotic quests so far in year three or do you think it would be a good idea for bungie to use more bandwidth for these kind of events well this one this is actually a really good question because i'm sitting here saying oh they should repurpose reckoning or repurpose that or sir blah 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 for a quest and i could see somebody pushing back and be like like lono do you really want them spending bandwidth on a quest it's a one and done it's not a content loop you're not running it multiple times you're running it one time you know i think that's valid pushback i think that's valid you know I would consider that to be a valid sort of, ah, do you really want them doing that, Lono? That's a lot of work. That's a lot of time, you know, invested in a quest. So I could see, as you're saying, not putting more bandwidth into it because it is just sort of a check these boxes and get the weapon. Um, At the very least, tie the weapons quest to the theme of the weapon. Running Whisper five times or Outbreak Mission was not loopable, but it was a great memory. I Yeah, and see, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you, Light, because here's the thing. I, I love those, but then I also have to be realistic. I'm like, man, if they're struggling to make a lot of content, if they're struggling to make you know meet these deadlines, do I want to ask for you know, an an annual whisper quest? Do I want to ask for exotic quests that are, as you're saying, it's a great memory. Think about, here's an even better example. The, um, what's it called? The, the, (laughs) it just left my brain. The exotic that we had to do in the, uh, in the, in, in the tribute hall, the bad juju. I was like, my gosh, I'm so I, my my brain totally locked up on me. Bad juju. The bad juju quest, like that's a significant amount of content. You got you got a you got the well the tribute hall is obviously its own thing, but you you go in there and it's this big retreading, reskinning, repurposing of areas of Leviathan and also brand new areas, right? All these new things, all this new stuff. And then you go and get the bad juju. So all that time and energy and and, and development was, um, was put in for one weapon. And in a, in a world where the, where the engine is agile and they can make lots of content very quickly. I'm totally down for them to do that. I'm totally down for them to do that. But then at the same time, I'm like, what if instead of doing that they could have made a much more substantive content loop with those areas or as it's being said in chat they could have utilized that mission um you know for opulence gear or for the you know do something with the chalice right 
This is why I've always said, if I'm Bungie, anything I create, I'm asking the question, what can, what kind of capital can we get out of this? You know, what, what kind of capital, what kind of replayability can we get out of this particular area, out of this particular, you know, quest or mission or whatever? And so I think that's one of the reasons whenever they do something like this, they're like, I'll just have them go do Reckoning, just have them go do this, just have them run around the public space. Because they're just, they're just trying to give you basically, you know, a, a, a homework. And I guess there's nothing wrong with that, but I would always, I would always pose that question. Oh, we're going to build this entire area and this entire quest line for Whisper and for Outbreak and for the Bad Juju. And the very next question should be, what kind of replayability can we get out of it? What what kind of replayability? Maybe have the catalyst drop on replays. Maybe have ornaments ornamentation drop on replays. Maybe have I don't know other other avenues of loot pursuit in there. Like, well, now that you got the juju, you can go in there and uh, if you use the bad juju in that area, there's um, you know armor pieces or guns that can drop or something. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm I am in full support of creating good content that leaves a lasting memory, but I'm also in full support of better and more substantive content loops because the content loops have been pretty dry and I don't know, one-off missions that I run two and three times while the content loop is dry. Um, let me think of a food analogy. It's almost like I'm having to live off of, you know, appetizers and then periodically you bring out like this really elaborate dessert. And I'm like, okay, couldn't you give me a much more substantive meal instead of, instead of spending all that time on that elaborate dessert? I can't, I can't get full off of a dessert. I'm going to get sick if I sit here and somebody's like, well, watch me, you know, hold my beer challenge accepted, right? But I don't want to eat an entire cake to get full. That's so much sugar. I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel gross. Bring me out, you know, a substantive meal and stop making me live off of appetizers like that's the way it feels right now we are living off of appetizers and like really really thin content loop but then you're gonna ask for like this really really elaborate um you know drawn out quest or mission i don't know sushi all you can eat is great (laughs) tiny meals but i can't get enough right 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 I, I think there's some wisdom to that too. Sometimes really small content loops can be enjoyable. I would say that speedrunning nightmare hunts was that for me. Um, grinding the dungeon, a particular checkpoint of the dungeon was that. It was a tiny, it was a tiny content loop, but there was something there was just tasty and satisfying about it. You know, I'll eat I'll eat pretzels until I can't eat them anymore. You know, there's just something about a nice crunch of a pretzel with a nice cold beer you know there's just something about that right <laughs> but but because of that um, I just am always going to consider and I've used the Panoptes uh, mission and fight before as an example of this man what a great environment what a fun fight that should have been used more than just once you know so light leap with the next question do you think exotics like Wither Horde and Effigy still leave room for exotics like Chaperone or Last Word? With sunsetting, 
would the last two be better as legendaries? Personally, I love the gunplay of Destiny, and while I appreciate exotics, they're completely out there. I love to see regular weapons with some special perks. Yeah, this is such a bigger subject, because in general, anytime I look at an exotic primary, I don't ever feel like they leave their lane enough for me to use them, okay? And I know Lightleaf is is been kind of banging on this drum uh, periodically when we've had conversations, is that uh, primaries don't feel very strong once you get into challenging content. They feel super duper weak. Um, and maybe that's where some of the exotics could get some room, right? Because you can run a guillotine for DPS, which means, well, now I can run an exotic primary that maybe is going to be a little bit stronger. Maybe you know, Graviton Lance or, you know, Bad Juju or something does feel strong enough, does leave its lane enough. Because when I look at all of the primary, you know, exotics, a lot of these just don't ever feel like worth using. You know, obviously an outbreak, um, you know, malfeasance in certain areas maybe. But in general, I'm not going to be like, yeah, let me throw on my Suros regime. Let me throw on my... um, you know, even like the Ace of Spades. Let me throw let me throw that on and go into PvE endgame content. No, probably not. The Vigilance Wing, the Crimson, the Mita Multi-Tool, the Sweet Business, uh, the Jade Rabbit. I'm not going to use any of these weapons in challenging content. They're not strong enough. Or what they do feels more gimmicky and it doesn't feel like it's going to land on anything. You know? And so maybe that's something that Bungie needs to consider um I, by the way I got Taraba I got the Taraba today uh we were we ran crown for moments of triumph and I, and I got Taraba first try <laughs> now I've obviously run crown before but uh that was uh our first our first run today um so that was pretty funny anyway I I do think in general if Bungie can start to add legendary weapons that are at the level of like the guillotine so you don't feel like I have to run 1k I have to run anarchy or you know I have to run Wardcliff. you know uh, you, you can put those down and maybe run an exotic primary but I think we need a, we need Bungie to do a quality pass on a lot of the exotic primaries they just they don't feel strong enough to use because listen if I'm putting away my exotic power you know what I'm going to pull out? I'm probably going to pull out something like the Wither Horde. And that's and that's not a primary, that's a special weapon, right? That's I'm going to I'm going to be throwing that on the ground, I'm going to be sticking enemies with it. Um even is Anagis you might consider running in some in some content still. Uh yeah, I I love Coldheart, Ariana's Vow, Divinity, right? So even if, and see, the, the, here again in lies the problem with exotics to some degree. If all we're really thinking about is damage, the minute you're like, okay, cool, I can run this guillotine and I don't have to run an exotic heavy. So you run the guillotine sword. The next thing you're going to probably pivot to is a special weapon as an exotic. A lot of the ones that I just listed. Because, because again, you're considering the power of the item. And, and maybe primary exotics just across the board need to be significantly buffed. You know? So if I go into Delta content and I'm running the Graviton Lance, this thing should be shredding trash ads in Delta content. It should be overpowered. Why? Because there's no other way I'm pulling this sucker out. 
you know it should be overpowered against trash ads so then I suddenly feel like oh okay this isn't bad I can be on ad detail and you're just popping heads man instead of three tapping an acolyte or something you just bam you hit him with one shot one burst so the idea here again to me is automatically when I go into delta content if contest modifiers on or I go into a nightfall suddenly exotic primaries are worth using because you buffed all of them right that would that would suddenly add some sense to like when light leap says man primaries feel like garbage in the end game right now yeah they should if you want to have something really really strong in in like think about what we do against a boss boss has a lot of health get out your exotic right Suddenly, trash ads have a lot of health. Get out your exotic primary. It makes sense. And then that creates those good decisions that you have to make as a player. Well, if I'm not going to run an exotic heavy, and I'm not going to run one of the exotic special weapons that are helpful, like Divinity or the Wither Horde or something, I'm going to run an exotic primary. Your team is probably going to consider that in your team comp. Okay, well, if you're going to run an exotic primary, then you're on ad detail. You're going to be shredding the ads. I'm going to run 1K. This guy over here is going to run Divinity. See, now we're banging on all cylinders. This might actually be the solution for exotic primaries to suddenly have their day in the endgame. This suggestion that I'm outlining right now could be the potential solution to pull them you know, off the dusty, the dusty shelf and get, and get some playtime because... That suddenly is fulfilling a role. It's so obvious what certain weapons are doing. It's like, oh, this weapon is fulfilling a role. It is fulfilling the role of DPS. It is fulfilling a role of, you know, suppression or debuffing or something. And primaries, the role of a primary is, you know, killing trash ads. So, um, I I think I'm going to go into my phone and add this as a potential uh, topic um, how to fix exotic uh, primaries massive buff add det- uh, add what, what will we say add detail um, add killing roll there I'll remember what I mean like I'll I'll sometimes leave myself notes like that. And I'm like, what the frick am I talking about <laughs> in this note? Like, what am I even saying? I think I might have to do a separate video on that. Like, here's how you can save exotic primaries. You know, here's how you can get them to to not be so ignored. Next question from Sushi. Uh, I've heard you, this is another long one. I've heard you say that you prefer more mechanics in raids versus just killing things. I agree. Well, I say versus just raising the Delta. Give me increased mechanical pain. Don't just raise the Delta. Uh, I agree. But however, I feel or fear if they add too many mechanics that I won't be able to participate in raid activities due to my disability of being mute and not being able to communicate on the fly. Thankfully, text chat has opened up more opportunities for me to run raids. My question is... Uh, what type of mechanics would you like to see in future raids that could be fun and challenging but also make it possible for people with disabilities well obviously game developers um, um, game developers and game 
uh, con- like controller makers and things like that, like people who are coming up with accessibility options for people with disabilities, uh, people who don't maybe have um, all of their digits, their all of their fingers, maybe they only have one arm. They're coming up with uh, ways to enable those people to play video games, and I think that's fantastic. I think that's excellent. But I also think there's a limit on what you can ask of a company to do to say, like, how far can you take this this train of thought? Do you, like, and I want to be careful here. I want to be sympathetic and empathetic. I think it's great that they're coming up with all these great abil- ways to empower people to play video games. But how far can you take this train of thought? Well, you can't add that many mechanics. That's too hard. Well, what do you mean it's too hard? Well... I have I I'm I'm unable to speak and so therefore I I can't type fast enough uh, to do that. Now what Bungie could say is we need to come up with you know keybind callouts or something so you could be playing and press a button or something that enables you to to have predetermined callouts that are then sent through text chat. We used to do that in Quake 3. I forget how we did it. We would uh, we would have pre-programmed keybinds so I could hit a button and it would say, you know, weak player in main room. That like the the main I think I forget what the main room was called, but it was or ramps. It was like weak player at ramps. So if I was at ramps and I just shot a guy with my rail gun, I could call out, you know, weak player at ramps. It was a it was a it was an already uh, determined keybind that would say something in relation to where I was in the game. So, for example, let's use Wrath of the Machine. You could pre-program keybinds to empowered. And then it would just, and you would, you would have three of them, right? Empowered left, empowered middle, empowered right. So you'd be able to hit that key bind. Okay. So I am offering what would be considered an accessibility function or accessibility feature to empower you as a player to engage with the content. I don't want to flip it on its head and be like, oh, you can't add that many mechanics because there are players who are mute or deaf or, um, or can't speak. Because you can't legislate game development to that particular struggle. Because then you could go further than and say, well, what about people who have slower reaction times and slower, uh, you know, synapses, processes of the brain? Like they're they have a they, they have slower functioning, slower motor skills. Oh, you can't require people to do X, Y, Z. Then do you see what I'm saying? You can only take this truck down the road so far before you really disrupt development of game content by saying, oh, I need the content legislated to me. What I would like companies to do, make the content as dope and as awesome as possible and come up with really, really good accessibility options so that you as a player feel, even though I am mute, I have ways to to communicate because fundamentally that's what you need to do, right? As a player, you need to be empowered to communicate and presently you're unable to do that. So, and to answer your question, like what kind of mechanics are you talking about? The best example I always give are the Light Eater Knights at, at uh, Kingsfall in the Oryx fight. It's a sudden increase of mechanical pain. It's not like, oh man, now the ogres take twice as long to kill. What the frick? Like that's just a delta. That's just a damage. That's just a damage health, you know, increase, right? That's not the same as saying, yo, you got another plate to spin. There's these Light Eater Knights that come out. I think that's the best example of how to say, okay. 
you're doing great in this raid fight you're spinning these four plates now spin a fifth one that to me is is the is the answer i don't want super insane mechanical like let's talk about last wish or you look through the glass and you call out the symbols and you got to come up with nicknames for the symbols. I would not go f- be f- any further beyond that. Calling out the eye locations and the symbols in Last Wish. Uh, if Bungie ever goes further than that, I'll be like, okay, this is absurd. This is too much. This is too communicative. Like It's too communication dependent. You know, I don't want to feel like I'm playing freaking Morris code. Like, okay, go, go do the thing. It needs to be a mixture of mechanics and combat pain. And while also coming up with really good accessibility options for people that can't speak or communicate and also leaning on technology advancements for controller options for people that may be uh, motor skill impaired, um, or in some respects physically impaired, like they don't, they can't touch all the buttons and stuff. Coming up with those options, I think, is uh, it's great that you know companies like Microsoft and others are doing that. Lightly with the next question: With Destiny Two possibly going on for another three plus years, how do you feel about loot hierarchy, specifically rarity, strength, and difficulty in obtaining? Uh, seem arbitrary in the current loot structure. Do you think that there could be a, a place for a new loot tier between legendaries and exotics? Could there be room for having a blue tier again that drops like current legendaries and only slightly stronger, rarer legendary gear for the hardcore players? Wow, I have a lot to say to this one because this is huge. Um, let's just do a thought experiment because if you suddenly took the bottom world tier loot okay and it was blue you basically convert a lot of the plain legendaries right now into blues okay right let's let's just let's just go back and look at a couple of them you know we 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 know these weapons and we use them regularly so let's just look at the hazard of the cast okay so if the hazard of the cast gets gets re reissued in six months and it's in the general world loot pool you could make this a blue weapon i don't think there's anything special about a lot of the legendary weapons right now you can make it blue you you suddenly have a new tier of loot being like yeah that's basically the new blue because greens and blues and whites are gone so this would become blue what would be purple what would be legendary those would be the the items that were either in the seasonal content grandmaster nightfalls dungeons raids trials Okay, that all sounds great, doesn't it? However, <laughs> however, to the 75% of the community that lives in the public space and strikes and suddenly getting nothing but blues, you could do the same thing with armor, right? You could do the same thing with armor, like uh, trials and raid loot and, you know, all of that is suddenly the only place to get the legendaries and you know people are getting the you know blues everywhere else i don't think people would like that i think they would feel like you suddenly devalued all of their loot so let's do another thought experiment introducing the new tier right i i think they may do this they're already considering doing adept weapons and trials right why not just introduce that as the tier below exotic so Raids are all adept. Grandmaster Nightfall's Dungeons and Trials have adept weapons, and that's your new title. That's your new tier. And then that is 
all you need to say, look, sunsetting was good. Why? We have a new tier of loot. Bungie's making best-in-class adept loot. They're making top-tier, top-shelf loot. So when you run top-tier content, you're rewarded accordingly. I think that's the best approach because if you suddenly start devaluing everything on the on the lower echelons, you're going to tick people off. There's a difference between devaluing the, the, the loot at the bottom and adding better loot at the top. I would say add better loot at the top. Regular players would be decked out in legendaries, and if you want a perfectly rolled black tier weapon, you have to grind and be, do, do more difficult content. Right, and so in, in, this, in this case, I'm saying that you would do adept. You would do adept weaponry as sort of like your, you know, here's your, you know, here is your, your, your top tier. Like the guillotine, rather than nerfing the guillotine, a weapon like this should just be considered an adept weapon. It should be in its own class. Like, this thing is stupid. <laughs> this thing is friggin' broken. And it should be considered adept. And that, I think, is how you get away from the nerf cycle of, up oh, too strong, nerf it. Up oh, too strong, nerf it. It's like, no. This is an adept weapon. It needs to function in a particular way and be at a particular level of excellency and efficiency and, 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 uh, and damage efficacy and all of that. Lethality, you know? What was that? What does that solve, though? Surely that's just giving things a new tier and not really solving anything. Well, you always have to ask, what are we solving for? Okay, we're solving for X, and I'm going to define X right now. X is the lack of loot hierarchy. There is no genuine strong difference between raid loot, dungeon loot, and world loot. There just isn't any difference, right? The fact that I can go and get... I got this auto rifle, Galrin's right hand. I got this today when we ran Crown. There is nothing about this weapon that stands out. There's nothing about this weapon that is better than other auto rifles in the game. You know, marginal, uh, teeny, de- you know, differences. So it's just fixing the definitions. No, 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 no. It's not fixing the definitions. It's literally creating new and better loot. So. This should be, Galrin's right hand should be an adept weapon with an extra perk and extra layer of, of damage. It should be at the level of a loaded question or a recluse or, you know, a delirium. Think of it that way, if, if that makes it more clear. Think of it that way. Adept weapons would basically be the new pinnacles. We had pinnacle weapons and they were going to basically collapse on the game. How do you unseat recluse? How do you unseat mountaintop? How do you unseat the loaded question and the delirium? How? You got to make... You have to make stronger weapons. And if you do that, you have now introduced power creep. Sunsetting says, no, every year make a bunch of those and then they all get sunset. You don't have to power creep them. They get sunset. So now Galrin's right hand can be like a ridiculously strong recluse style auto rifle. And, oh, you got to make another auto rifle a year from now for the raid. Yeah, no big deal. The old one's been sunset. And people are like, well, that's just a loot treadmill. No, it's not. You're on a loot treadmill right now. You're replacing one hand cannon, shotgun, or auto rifle with another that's basically exactly like it. You're already doing it. What this does is it says, here is top tier loot. Every year, every season, we're adding top tier loot for you to chase and use, and it's the best of the best. And eventually, yes, you have to replace it, but that's the nature of a loot incentive-based game. You have to give people a reason to chase loot, and you can't do that if you're always just 
piling up stores and stores. Like, I have 15 god roll hand cannons. What the frick? I don't need that many god roll hand cannons. You know, give me four or five adept, insanely awesome hand cannons, and every year I'm periodically shelving some and replacing it with a new one. Wouldn't that make the grind harder and more annoying with sunsetting? Getting four rolls on a weapon right is annoying already, and now getting five perks. Well, and this here, Darksider, is why I can't cover everything every time I talk about this, but anytime I talk about this, I try to say sunsetting and making truly adept weapons and truly awesome gear would require greater generosity and intentionality, and I would use the dungeon as my example. If the dungeon becomes the standard for loot chase, then this is not a problem because you have a set group of drops for the week and you can play it as much as you freaking want generosity and intentionality has to be banging on all cylinders or sunsetting doesn't work adept weaponry doesn't work you have to empower players to chase as much as they want you can't have another um, mind bender situation on your hands where it could take somebody five months to get a good mind benders we can't have that it simply won't work the system will collapse on itself because people will say, dude, it took me five months to get this gun, and I've only now I got what seven seven months of of before it gets sunset, you know. Adept should be RNG. It's grind for the top. There shouldn't be a direct way to it. You shouldn't expect to get a perfect adept roll. It's elusive, right? But think about it like this lightly: generosity and intentionality have to be functioning in order for you to claim that. I have to be able to chase it and chase it a lot if you're going to apply RNG and make it elusive. You can't just make it elusive and apply RNG and then like it's four months later and I'm like, yeah, I still haven't got one. Do you understand? There's got to be balance between the two. Generosity, intentionality, and rarity all have to have a happy marriage, right? They have to have a happy marriage or it's going to tilt one, two, two. It's going to tilt to one side too much. Uh, see what I said above him? That's why I think it should be like one. It's a week. Could get the handout from vendors to choose the adept perk. Maybe as a reward for a completion. I don't know about that though. That starts to feel like crafting. I just don't think we should get the perfect adept weapon two weeks into the season. Well, no, 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 no. I agree. This is exactly why I referenced the dungeon grind light leap because you can't do that. Right? The odds of you getting the perfect adept role. First of all, week 1, you might run the let's let's say week 1 you run the raid and the shotgun doesn't drop for you. Guess what? That entire week you're grinding the raid. If they let us grind the raid the way we grind the dungeon, you can't get the shotgun. They they limit your ability to get everything you know, in in a given week. And with RNG and math, I mean, it's not hard to be like, yeah, you're probably not going to get the absolute pristine, awesome, perfect God roll in that first week, right? But if I'm empowered through, as I said, generosity, intentionality, now you're banging. Now you're you're cooking because now I can run it as many times as I want. A dungeon with its own loop pool and a loopable grind is perfect. Yeah, the dungeon grind is exactly what we want. The odds of you getting everything in the first in the first two weeks is just so low. First month, yeah, maybe, but I'm okay with that. Like, if you're that committed and you put in that much time, 
then sure, the rest of the player base that raids ain't going to be able to do that. Think about the time commitment to actually pull that off. That is such a minority. If after a given month, you have every god roll adept weapon from the raid, and all the stats you want on the armor, all the stat leans that you want, holy moly, you probably played just an an exorbitant amount of hours. And that scales down to the rest of the community, I think, probably in a pretty healthy way. Darksider with the next question. Should gimmicks like the effigies uh, of creating weapons uh, or other gimmicks like Thorns, Dot, on Luminous Healing remain only on exotics or is the possibility that such gimmicks could be on legendary weapons as well? Like the Pursuit weapon having Dot or the new raid weapons. Well, this is something I've been pushing for for a really, really long time. I don't necessarily know if I want to say gimmicks. I also don't want to overswing here. But... We have to get away from only being concerned about the reload speed and the damage of a weapon. I think we need to get to a place where we're more concerned about the effect that the weapon has. Ask this question of a weapon. What does the weapon do? Oh, this puts, you know, area of effect damage on the ground, or chain lightning, or blinding, or, or, or suppression, or, well, if I get five, you know, crit kills in a row, I get... I get to do XYZ with the weapon, right? What does the weapon do? Like, right now, the reason we break down perks to damage and reload is because weapons don't really do anything other than kill enemies. If they started to take on more of a role of... Think about that, like, when you play a game like Diablo, you know, you have weapons that knock back or get instill fear or suppress or cause bleeding, right? The weapon itself is just like, yeah, it's just an axe. I'm just swinging it. You know what I mean? It delivers X number of damage over time. But primarily, you're looking for that flavor text. What does it do? You do that in Borderlands. Look at the flavor text. What does the gun do? As opposed to, oh, what's the reload speed and damage output? That's just such a generic mathematical breakdown. That is why, you know, you're asking, oh, could they put stuff like this on legendary weapons? Oh, absolutely. Obviously, keep it in check, but I want effects. I want function on a weapon. I want it to do something rather than just like, oh, if you get this perk and this perk, it's it's quick to reload. It does great damage. Yeah, come on. I've even said this. I've even said this. Start homogenizing reload speeds and damage output so perks are more like what what what's this weapon's magic <laughs> what's what's the magic that it does you've homogenized damage and reload it's just like yeah it's, it's all the weapons basically reload the same speed and do roughly the same amount of damage what's the magic what's the spell right bring more space magic to the game we're running around with hand cannons and shotguns we're, we're playing with call of duty weapons and i can summon nova bombs right lean lean way more into the magic of the game and i think we'd be in a much better situation with weapon pursuit because then you can create a weapon like the the, the ruinous effigy that puts a bomb on the ground and you pick it up and you throw it why well because you've 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 now elevated combat to be above like mindless you know shoot 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 reload and you've turned it more into no i have to do these certain things you know that's why i said a little bit earlier in q and a i don't think they've gone far enough with champions i think champions could add great layers to combat 
you're asking me to do something. You're not just asking me to shoot something. That's the big difference I think that they need to to, to lean into with respect to combat in Destiny. Insomniac. Why do you think Bungie still hasn't made legendary trace rifles? Well, we now, you know, we, we now have how many, right? They're all exotics. I don't know. Um, they don't like me. <laughs> I want legendary trace rifles, man. I do. Um, I've been asking for them for a while because I think as I just got done giving my speech about space magic, I think they're, they feel futuristic. This is why I want fusion rifles to get some love and to have more representation in the game because fusion rifles to me feel futuristic. I'm sick of using a shotgun. Make a fusion rifle worth using. Make it compete with the shotguns, you know, one size fits all, um, damage output. I think the biggest problem with fusions is they just don't have enough ammo. I think they need more ammo. I don't know why I think that. I might be, if you measured their efficacy versus the efficacy of a shotgun and their ammo economy, I may end up being wrong here, but my experience is always like when I'm running um, a fusion rifle, I'm like, I never have any ammo. I feel like I run out of ammo like right away. But I want legendary trace rifles. I want fusion rifles to not be bad because those to me are futuristic weapons. That's what I want to use. This is destiny, you know? And listen... I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth a little bit here. I do love the shooting mechanics of Destiny. Hand cannons just feel phenomenal. But I just, you know, I want to get back to you know, maybe some good spray weapons, you know? Give me give me some good spray weapons. Give me some good auto rifles, you know? That, to me, I think is one of the biggest vacancies in the weapon pool right now is a sense of future or space magic. They all, weapons just generally feel like, you know bullet throwers they don't feel like they're they're spell casters and i want more spell casting than bullet throwing a coup de papa says do you think it's going to be nerfed it's kind of broken in my opinion well i don't think they'll nerf it no unless it's breaking encounters the way that the wither horde was if a gun if an exotic like this comes in and if it's not destroying if it's not messing up crucible and it's working as intended but is really strong I, I can't see Bungie nerfing it. Uh, they've they've seemed to move away from that. Now, obviously, if something is literally broken and it's breaking mechanics or it's doing something unintended, well, then yes, that's not a nerf. That's a patch. Uh, people need to understand. There's a big difference between patching something um, that is that that is uh, that's broken. Um, you know, patching something that isn't working as intended, and and. Uh, and 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 nerfing something they're 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 categorically they're categorically uh different so they're not quite the same hitman Lono, help me understand why it seems that any new weapon that's simply a good or strong weapon is instantly tagged as op or broken if it's good it equals op and then it starts to a chain reaction of people saying that the weapon is broken um, I just don't recall player bases being so quickly to call anything that is fun and powerful broken like Destiny Community a bugged weapon that I get uh, but new gear um, should be stronger on my off base being good is a death sentence it seems anymore I mean I hear where you're coming from I do I, 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 I understand that here's something that we do in the Destiny Community that I think sometimes um, is it's an act of overstatement and it's it's not intended to be right we're all familiar with people who overstate embellish uh and exaggerate maybe a little too familiar with that as of late but 
you know, I think we say things like, oh, it's OP. Oh, it's OP. And I don't think people literally, in a literal sense, mean, it's overpowered, nerf it. I think they mean, oh my gosh, this thing's OP. This this thing, this thing's broken, right? People, people tend to use it as a, um, people tend to use it as a mark of praise, right? They use it as a mark of praise. Oh, dude, you got to use this thing. It's nuts, man. It's OP. And so I think when people are doing that, I don't think they're saying and campaigning for something to be nerfed. Now, the Destiny community is sometimes a little addicted to getting out the hammer and trying to nail, pound down any nails that are standing out. People are like, what's that? And they pull out their hammer. And they're like, what's that? Is something strong? Where? And they're like, oh my goodness. Do, 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 do. Come on, Bungie. Pound this thing down. This thing's making bosses die quickly. This is why Endgame needs to be rethought with respect to negative modifiers and power deltas because the only answer to a crazy power delta is really, really strong, crazy, powerful builds. And I think that's boring. That's just a power exchange. People are like, oh, we're melting strike bosses. I don't give a hoot about that. Strike bosses should be getting melted. It's familiar content. It's meat and potatoes. It's 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 basic. It's it's basic, right? Where you should have to go in and consider strategy and your loadout and doing different things. As I said, ask me to do something, not just kill something. And so that's where I, I I'm continuing to think like, oh, champions and other things, you know, could add a lot of depth. And then people wouldn't say what you're what you're saying here. Oh, it's broken. It's OP. Oh my gosh, nerf it. People wouldn't say that. They wouldn't say that because they would be like, yeah, it's really strong, but we, we got to do so many other things in combat now. You know, just just a really one really really strong weapon isn't really tilting the scales anymore. You know, think about how strong Galahorn was at taking down Crota. Okay, imagine if you went into the Crota fight. And you had to kill four knights, and each of those knights dropped, you know, um, a ball. And you had to come together, and you had to throw those balls at Oryx in the right order. Like, his shield would be a certain color. And he'd be like, alright, throw solar, alright, throw void, alright, throw this, alright, throw that, right? And then, you can shoot his shield with Galahorn, Okay. Well, now the fight is different. Now it's like, well, yeah, the Gallarhorn's really strong. It's perfect for the fight, but that's not fundamentally what we're doing. We're encountering a mechanic that has to be mastered and finessed. We're interacting with something that raw damage from the Gallarhorn is certainly helping, but it's not a one-size-fits-all. Actually, just remove the Gallarhorn from the situation altogether. You got to kill these four knights, throw those four balls in the right order, and then his shield comes down, and then you can attack him with the sword. Well, now, Galahorn's, yeah, that's great, but it's not solving our biggest problem. Does that make sense? Like, it, this is why I continue to say mechanical pain really changes the landscape of the fight. Look at uh, Oryx's fight for a perfect example of this. You couldn't go in there with a one-size-fits-all exotic and bake everything and bake and bake the boss. Why? You are primarily mitigating mechanical pain and managing mechanical pain, and that keeps you from saying, oh, you must have galley or you must have this. Now, obviously, people wanted folks to come in there with touch of malice, but that was largely overstated by the community. You didn't really need that many touch of malices for orcs. You needed, like, one. 
you needed your you know your relic holder uh your relic runner to have touch of malice so if if they come out with weapons that are this strong and they're op and they're broken an easy way for bungie to kind of shrug and be like yeah so what Endgame content is is got so many other things going on right now. You've got champions, you've got mechanics, you've got things you've got to finesse and do, and you know having a high damage exotic doesn't suddenly make all those things super easy. You know, sensory fern with the next question. A lot of the new weapons this season, the two swords, wither horde, and the effigy, have unique perks and functionality. Is this the direction Bungie should go to create aspirational gear? Yes, because we need to be careful here, right? We're asking for aspirational gear. We're asking for adept weaponry. And we got to be careful we don't just ask for more of the same. Our, you know, oh yeah, just just give me really strong stuff. I, yeah, I want crazy damage and really fast reload. Okay, well, ask for more than that. You know what I mean? You got to you got to ask for more than that. It's like it's like when your kid doesn't have any concept of money, right? And they they think, you know, five single dollar bills are is better than a than one $100 bill. You have to explain to them like ask for more. You're asking you're not asking for enough. They're like, "Oh, can I have some money?" And you're like, "Yeah, sure. What are you trying to buy?" And they're like, "I want to buy a bicycle." And you're like, "Okay, how much do you need?" And they're like, "Well, you know, $5." What? That's not enough. Y- your kid doesn't understand that, you know, the, the the value of money. And in this scenario, I think sometimes not sensory, not the person asking the question. I think sometimes we don't ask for enough. We ask for a couple bucks you know, a couple dollars when we should be asking for, you know, a hundred dollar bill. So let's not ask for adept weapons that are just like, oh yeah, it should be really strong and reload faster than all the other weapons in the game. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're, you're not asking for enough. You need to ask for way more than that. The gun needs to be, as this says, like unique, cool function. This is why I always pointed the wrath of the machine. The Wrath of the Machine Guns were unique. They weren't even best in class. I actually think you need to check both boxes, by the way. Unique and best in class. Genesis Chain was unique and memorable. It wasn't a best in class weapon, and it should have been. It should have gotten, you know, a a ramped up damage multiplier or something. The more times you procced Focused Firefly, it should have gotten stronger and bigger, right? That, oh, that's broken. That's insane. No, it's not. It's a raid weapon. It should be unique and best in class. What's the best auto rifle to take into PVE right now? The answer should have been Genesis Chain. Every time. Right? Now, somebody's like, well, what about exotics? Aren't you going to unseat exotics? Nope. Because go back to my suggestion earlier, the video we're going to have to make where we say all exotic primaries should get an automatic damage buff in endgame delta content. So if you go into that content, you're like, oh man, Genesis Chain's broken. Well, not quite. When you go into Delta and things are a lot stronger, it's not quite the same anymore. You might feel like pulling out your Huckleberry or your Suros Regime. You know? These are uh, these are ways to create damage and power hierarchies within the weapons so suddenly things are worth using and worth chasing and not just everything feels very samey and very damage-based. Like I said, we need to ask for more ask for more don't just ask for like strong weapons ask for unique and standout weapons that's what we should be asking for in in endgame content 
Greg with one too long to fit in the box. So I'll, you know, I'll read all of it though. Following up on previous questions, do you think with how Bungie are moving in the direction of creating more utility-based weapons such as Thorn, Lumina, Wither Horde, and now the Effigy, uh, which features a good platter of ways to use it, um, that part of the reason Bungie is removing content and contains old exotics is to rework them. Someone mentioned that older exotics like the Chaperone or maybe even the Jade Rabbit aren't really worth worth anything as an exotic. They're just really good versions of the archetype, maybe with some slightly better perks. I feel the direction Bungie are going... um, Oh, wow, I can't, I can't. How do I read the whole thing? Oh, there we go. (laughs) Uh, You guys have got to really, really not go this big. It doesn't even fit in the box. I have to double click it to read it. Um, But it's really good. I feel like the direction Bungie are going is that they want to bring more uniqueness and utility back to exotics. Well, I don't disagree with your observation, but I don't know how much you can do here. Aren't you going to run out of utility? You know? How many unique utilities can you come up with? That, that I think, is the better question. This is why when I talk about, like, legendaries and perks on legendary weapons, I'm constantly saying things like, they need to go towards elemental perks. They need to go towards um, area of effect and status status effects and things like that because there's way more potential there, and you can always come up with something new there. But as far as utility, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the bigger challenges is continuing. I mean, in two years, how much more utility could they come up with? That would be my biggest question. I think Bungie's really creative, but ultimately that would be my big question mark. I don't disagree with your observation, but I don't know how long this this these train tracks can go before you run out of you run out of track. You're like, well, how many more utilities could we possibly come up with? You know, Smurf Blue. Uh, in the moments of triumph discussion, you mentioned each year the armor should be updated to include perks from all previous years. Doesn't this go against the idea of sunsetting armor and mods? How would Bungie sustain mods for forever? Would keeping mods cripple their ability to be more creative. This is good pushback. Um, let me let me rephrase what I want to say here. I think mods from raids should be universal. Let me just say that. I, you're actually right. You can't really do what I suggested because then they can't really sunset anything and sunsetting is kind of necessary to thin things out. I think any raid mod, like the raid mods from Garden of Salvation should just be universal. So if I feel like going back and running Garden of Salvation, I can slap those mods into my armor. If it's activity specific, then I think it should be universal. Now, if it's like Charge with Light or, you know, some of the other ones they've come up with, um... What were the ones for the war mine cells or whatever? Like those are fine being being sunset. So this is good pushback, right? I needed to be maybe more careful in my position on this because this does my my idea completely invalidates you know sunsetting armor, which is I believe a necessary. I believe that's necessary. I believe you have to uh, to a certain degree, you know, get 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 people into a place where. Um, they're able to use mods from old raids if they want. Me having to go back into Garden of Salvation just for fun or just for kicks or for, oh, a moments of triumph. What if there's a moments of triumph where we go back to Garden? Do I gotta pull out a bunch of old armor that I've saved all this time? No, just let me, this universalized raid mods I think is a, is a perfect solution here. 
because it only works in the raid anyway. It's old content, doesn't matter. Yixel. If an exotic quest can be like the spindles, hang on. If an exotic quest can't be like the spindles, then what is considered a good exotic quest? I get that not every quest can be on the same level as the spindle. Um, what he means here is Whisper of the Worm. <laughs> I love that you're calling it spindle or she or he. I'm not sure. Sorry. Um, most of the time we get a quest like this. I see a lot of complaints about how it was bad or tedious. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, uh, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree that people are basically like always saying it's bad or tedious. Um, I think, I think the idea that, you know, they should shoot for on exotic quests is, I would just say short and sweet, um, or make it more, make it more involved like the divinity and the Xeno. I would say one or the other. It either needs to be involved and elaborate like the divinity or the Xeno or just short and sweet. I don't see the purpose in drawing it out and making it tedious. You know, wouldn't that create issues in game modes like Gambit where taken armaments would be forever? Well, no, 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 no. As I said, Darksider, I, I think only raid mods should be universal, not taken armaments. Oh, but they, some of those came from raids. I see what you're saying. Taken armaments and some of those dropped from raids. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would then maybe, I'm going to qualify it even more. Raid activity specific mods should be universal enhanced relay defender the ones for the leviathan if it's specific to the raid it should just be universal because what's what what's it matter if i throw on if i'm going back to an old raid and throw on that raid mod it doesn't hurt anything but like as you're pointing out yes there are some mods that need to be kind of like left in the dust and left behind because they're so strong and so powerful that you know they they need to be they need to be sort of left behind or they're gonna you know they could potentially ruin future content it's why you know the touch of malice needed to be nerfed it was going to ruin wrath of the machine there can be builds and perks and abilities that just make certain things just too trivial east foot given the latest unique perks to seasonal exotics devil's ruin air apparent wither horde uh, do you think that we can expect similar unique perks using the dark light gifts? Wither Horde and the Ruinous Effigy seem more unique and provide perks like nothing else. Do you think we can expect stasis-based exotic weapons with similar unique perks? Oh, 100%, yeah. There's gonna be a stasis exotic in September. No, no doubt. Absolutely. You know... Instead of mods, could we just change it to raid abilities that are unlocked? We Oh yeah, we said that yesterday, a bit of support. We said that um, you would unlock a passive ability, and it would just be right down here. So you have your six, your six stats, mobility, and all of that, and then right underneath strength, you would see enhanced relay defender. It would just be there, something that I unlocked in that raid. Yeah, we talked about that yesterday, and how that could be a, a good way to do it. Yeah. So then it's it's not something that you even have to worry about. You just you earned it. So if you ever go back to that raid, it's there as a passive unlock. I can get behind that as well. Because they don't want to have to make you wear raid armor, and I appreciate their 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 intention behind that. Um and you wouldn't have to if it was a passive ability that was unlocked. Hitman. Do you feel that armor and mods need to be streamlined even more? I feel like I'm juggling mods and armor pieces nonstop, and it's more of a chore uh, than being fun to make builds. Um, so, 
I don't have a great answer to this, so I'm going to give you a generic answer of yes, everything needs to be trimmed down and streamlined. Um, and I don't have the answer to how that looks. A loadout system, maybe. Uh, you know, it. We, we're, we've already touched on it, right? With the Garden of Salvation example. It's like, if you want to run those mods and in like summer of 2021, if Bungie does some moments of triumph or some celebration of you know garden of salvation and last wish well you better have some old pieces of armor if you want to run that right and you don't even need to run enhanced relay defender but it certainly is fun right it certainly is fun so you you know giving people the ability to uh you know to, to to have a lot of that streamline i think would be really really important I just don't have a good answer for you beyond that. Rain the Dark. Hey, Lono. After finally getting the Ruinous Effigy, do you feel that Bungie is starting to get better at making exotics uh, that quote-unquote feel exotic? It's especially refreshing after just damage-jumping exotics have been prevalent for so long. Um, I actually touched on this in the video. Yeah, so you you submitted this, I think, yesterday, so there's no way for you to know that I was going to cover this in the video, so that's totally fine. Um, but I basically said, I think it's great to make fun fun exotics. It's totally, it's totally fine. And as people are saying, it might actually have really good damage potential once you have the catalyst and in the right fights and used in the right way, it might actually be kind of busted. Um, I think that's pretty cool. I, you know, that th- th- there's, there's high damage potential for it and it's not a heavy weapon. Um, but yes, I agree, you know, damage, um, damage dumping, um, damage dumping exotics get kind of boring don't they? Oh, you did, you submitted it today, but you weren't here for the video. No, 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 it's fine. We're doing Q&A in a very different way now. I'm not, I'm never going to get angry at anybody, you know, for that. Um, you know, it, like, I'll give you an example with Xenophage. I love Xeno. It's really, really fun, especially on a Titan. I run it, I run it with uh, Actium War Rig, and I think, I think Xeno is awesome. I do. I think Xeno is dope, but, um, I think that the um I think there's a time and a place for a blunt instrument, and this is a blunt instrument, right? 1K voices is a blunt instrument. You can get a little finesse with the 1K, obviously, and try and get like multi-kills and gambit and stuff, but these are blunt instruments. Point, shoot, kaboom. That's it. And so I think it's totally okay to have blunt instruments. And then outside of a blunt instrument, sometimes you know, whisper would be more like a scalpel. You got it's precise. It, you got to use it in a particular way to actually have it be, uh, you know, worthwhile to do lots of damage. And you know, then you got the wither horde, and then you got the the ruinous effigy. And these are these are not blunt instruments. These are more like you know, scimitars or swords or something where you have to, you have to kind of carve up in a very particular way to get this thing to work well. It's not just, you know, hit it really hard with it. You know, you got to use it in a particular way. And I think that is, that is good. But as I said a little bit ago to, I forget who it was, you're going to, I think it was Greg, you're going to run out of utility, right? You're going to run out of utility eventually. It's hard to constantly come up with, you know, unique perks and utility. Sometimes it's just going to come down to like, nope, this is a this is a blunt instrument, you know. 
and maybe exotics could do stasis static you know effect you know area of effect and burn and bleed and all of the stuff i've been talking about today maybe they just do it way better and that's what makes them exotic you know they apply multiple effects or they last longer or something iron banner i still believe needs more I bang out my 12 bounties, and the motivation to chase 5 or 3 tokens is very small. Wouldn't adding possible prism shards or occasional low drop rate masterwork gear make Iron Banner feel like a true rewarding endgame activity to you? Well, I can't speak from experience. I don't, I've don't. i not touched Iron Banner almost ever. I played it um, when I was going for the swarm. I would play like a couple of games at night um, just to try to get one a good one to drop, and that was it. But... I am always sort of in the corner of anybody sort of fighting for more rewards and more incentive. I am sort of generally on that team. Like, yeah, what you? why would you ever have something feeling not rewarding or, oh, there's, there's no real reason to run it. Um, I'm, I'm usually, as I said, I'm on that team and I'm usually carrying that banner. Like, let's... Let's keep let's keep rewarding people. Let people pe- people keep playing. This is one of the reasons why I support. Um, this is one of the reasons why I am in full support of uh, the tokens and trials, because the tokens and trials enable you to play all weekend long, even if you only have one character. But that's why I was really angry when Bungie took away the win requirement, but then lowered token payout. I was like, what in the actual frick are you protecting here? people are barely playing the player base numbers are dwindling what are you protecting who cares if people play all weekend and get a bunch of tokens and turn them in for some loot who cares right and adding adept weapons to the flawless chest will be even more of like a who cares if people get a bunch of this gear it's not the adept stuff you know you're empowered to be very very generous so that's sort of my roundabout way of being like, yeah, if you're playing Iron Banner and you don't feel like there's enough motivation and you don't feel like you get enough stuff, I'm probably going to be on your team to be like, yeah, make it more rewarding. What are you protecting? Like, whenever Anthem had all of its loot problems and the guy from Diablo, uh, from Blizzard, who worked on the Diablo Loot 2.0 system, he said, you know, you, you have to protect players from themselves. And that's true. If like if people are like look at AFK forge farming and night and nightmare hunt running right, people basically throw themselves into the smallest kiddie pool, run in a circle for an entire week in that kiddie pool, and then they complain that like they didn't get wet enough, you know, they didn't get to really swim, and they didn't really have fun. It's like, well, yeah, you ran around in a kiddie pool for a week, you didn't do anything, and that was kind of his point. You have to protect the players from themselves to some degree, but. Sometimes I don't think Bungie's protecting players from themselves. I think they're just restricting players too much or motivating players to play less, you know? And I think that's one of the that's one of the biggest there's a big difference between protecting a player from, you know, AFK forging or just running nightmare hunts all day. Now, I'm not even supporting the nightmare hunt change by the way. But if Bungie would have had better oversight of the game and they'd have been like, look, everybody's just going to run nightmare hunts. They're just going to beat up Gaul all day long. You know, that's that's not the ideal situation we have for Umbral, you know, Umbral earn rate and, and player behavior this season. Well, then, you know, it, it, th- then they would have been like, no, we need to protect the player from themselves. Don't let people do that. Well, they did it mid-season, which just sours the season. And then, like, that's why I don't support it. But in general, I think they could have said, 
you know, we're not going to let people run this. That's protecting them from themselves. That's a far cry difference between that and saying, oh, Iron Banner is too rewarding. Let's lower the token payout. Or, oh, Iron Banner is too easy to get the loot. It's a week-long event. You know what I'm saying? You don't need to be that strict. You don't need to be that almost like micromanaging the player. Mave Monk. How do you feel about the current stat or, uh, or loot pool in Prophecy? Should Bungie kept reissued weapons out of it? That is the one thing, if you go watch my dungeon review, that was the one thing I took issue with, was I, I thought re- reissuing the Ikelos weapons with random rolls was totally fine, but then getting like the sniper and the death adder and stuff, I'm just like, eh, what? That that soured it a little bit for me. I loved the armor. I love the fact that they put dope armor in there. I love the fact that the armor can roll with really, really great stats. Like, I think all of that was great. But the but the reissues of some weapons that just don't seem that interesting, it did not seem like the appropriate thing to put into a dungeon. You know what I mean? There were so there's so many other things they could have decided to do. They could have brought back some Trials of the Nine weapons for crying out loud. I think that would have been better than the Death Adder and whatever that sniper is. Um, and so if you go watch my review, that was like my one quibble with the dungeon. I love the dungeon. I love the loot logistics of the dungeon. I love the encounters. I love the setting. I think it's fantastic. I think they need a contest modifier version, a quote-unquote hard mode version. I think a lot of the encounters really lose their 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 intensity and their fire when you're overleveled. Um, and I've been I'm going to continue to bang on that drum because I think contest modifier is su- supremely underutilized. Surge. Off topic, starting to dive into charge with light builds this season, but I'm noticing I cannot maximize my build for mobility, resilience, and recovery because the charge with light mods' costs are high. Do you believe this is an issue? And if so, how would you change seasonal mod slots so we enjoy those mods while being able to maximize on mobility, resilience, and recovery? Um, I'm not going to die on this hill. But I'm going to lean toward your side of things, okay? It's really, really hard to ask somebody to disrupt their build stat distribution and their, you know, their entire armor system to experiment if it's super, super costly. So I can give you an example of exactly why Bungie actually changed the mod slot seasonal uh, flexibility. Because everybody got into Season of Dawn and started getting all these new mods from the uh, the obelisks. They started getting all the charged with light mods, and we didn't do anything with them. Why? Because you needed to literally get all new armor and level it all up to even experiment with those mods. It was like, okay, so let me get this straight. All of my armor from Shadowkeep and Season of the Und- um, Season of Undying, none of that armor can use these new mods. So now I got to get new armor, and if I want to use the mods, I got to level the armor up. And if I'm going to level the armor up, I'm probably going to want to wait for a better or a good roll on the armor. So they put all these barriers between you and experimenting. So they said, okay, we're going to, we're going to loot, lighten up on the seasonal slot. The armor can use the present season, the season behind, and the season in front. So you can always go into a new season and be like, hey, I'm ready for whatever these new mods are. I've got all new armor from this particular season. I'm good to go. I'm good to hit the ground running, right? 
Well, I use that as an example to agree with you that basically, if you want me to experiment with charge with light, like, and a lot of the benefits aren't good enough, right? You just come in here and read some of the charge with light benefits and, and everything that goes into it. They're not even good enough to disrupt your loadout. It's like, okay, so I can get a bunch of machine gun ammo and increase my resilience or, you know, get a bunch of sword ammo and increase my recovery or I can, while charged with light, defeating combatants with melee damage and swords spawns one orb of light for your for your allies and consumes one stack of charge with light. You also gain damage resistance against combatants when sprinting. Okay. Is that worth five? Not only five, five plus at the minimum a one, you know, a one because you need an art. You need, if you want to get the extra benefit, you know, you got to have another arc mod. So at a minimum, that requires six, right? That's more than half. Now, some of them are worth it, as is being said in chat. I'm not saying they're all not worth it. I'm saying it's too much trouble, right? It's too much trouble. I'm going to come in here. I'm going to start swapping stuff out, making all these changes and making all these adjustments for a marginal, marginal benefit, okay? So Bungie needs to reevaluate this, I think. I happen to think that the seasonal mod slot stuff should not... I It should cost you know, maybe two, maybe three, but no more. I'd start lowering them all. So it's more of a capstone. It's more of a capstone. You know, a three here, a three here, maybe a two here, that's eight, and then you come here, and you know, it's two. Two at the most, maybe three or something like that. It's like, it's kind of like the discussion when I'm like, am I really going to take off my exotic and throw on an exotic primary? Well, no. Why? Because the power trade sucks. I'm trading a really, really strong exotic heavy for a exotic primary that's not all that better than a good legendary. And the same thing happens here. You come in here, you start adding up all the differences. It's like, well, I'll get more ammo on my machine gun. I'll also get more ammo, you know, from picking up machine gun. I've also got resilience high. That's giving me my, you know, my rallies back, my, my barricades back faster. Let me disrupt all of that so that I can um, regain half my melee energy when I use a charge melee and it consumes one stack. While surrounded by multiple combatants and you defeat somebody with a fusion shotgun, sidearm, and some machine gun, it adds ammo. Well, somebody might be like, oh, that's amazing. You're constantly generating ammo. Yeah, and it costs seven. You know, I got to take everything off to get to use that. Um you know and and maybe maybe we should just say this maybe we should just say this all of these right here should maybe cost nothing discipline strength intellect mobility recovery and resilience you can only choose one obviously because you're trying to fix the stat roll on the armor you're like well i didn't get a lot of recovery let me throw on recovery if these cost nothing then up here your debate i think makes more sense you're debating between, you know, more ammo pickup, uh, you know, unflinching and some others, and then down here, charge with light or some of the others. Because really what Surge is getting at here with the question, which I think is a good question, is am I really going to want to do this and disrupt my stats I've worked so hard on? You know, you get a tier 9 recovery with a tier 9 resilience and then a tier 5 mobility. You know, you get all this how you want it. You farm for all the right armor and all the right stat lanes. You get it exactly how you want it. And then Bungie's like, hey, 
we've got new these new things for you to experiment with this season you're like oh but i don't it's going to disrupt my entire stat distribution if it didn't disrupt your stat distribution and only disrupted things like scavenger and and uh you know your your reserves and your ammo finders well that's fine you're more you'd be you'd be more readily open to experimenting with that right because it's like my entire stat build is gonna is i took all this time to do it and now i've got to disrupt the entire thing to try out your one new mod you know to experiment with i feel like we need to do a talk uh about this as well a mod overhaul armor mod overhaul is what we would call this one armor mod overhaul uh disrupts stats too much uh too much to experiment right to experiment it's like you gotta disrupt your whole stats stat mods should cost nothing there we'll do a talk about that like you know we'll do a talk about that because it's like that's such a good point it's too disruptive to experiment if it didn't affect your stats it wouldn't feel so disruptive imagine doing what i did i got that that really really strong build for my hunter with worm husk you know it's perfect it's exactly how i want it and i land in a new season i'm like oh there's these new seasonal mods let me experiment with them oh man i gotta unslot so many mods i gotta disrupt all my stat distribution that i've worked on i've master worked all these pieces to get those extra points to roll me over to you know other tiers of mobility or recovery and i gotta disrupt all of that to fiddle around with something don't forget if you use void seasonal mods they reduce your stats yeah that too i mean i don't yeah i don't i don't like that either that's too caught that doesn't seem like the right trade getting your stats right where you want them and having to disrupt that and having to have that you know busted up i just don't think is 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 the right approach here if you want people experimenting uh with your you know with your seasonal mods every season then i think the best way to do it uh is to um is to do as we just outlined Tiger O Stripes. Before I answer this last question, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube and you're hearing me interact with people, they're in my Discord. So right now we're kind of doing like a a quasi live stream where I record it and they can hear me and have a back and forth with me. Today has been excellent, by the way. This has been almost, I feel like I'm almost back home streaming again, which we will be doing that very soon. We just have to figure out where. Uh, We're still waiting on a response from Twitch. But if you want to support me in the meantime while we figure all this out, you can go to SNTR Presents com sntrpresents.com will take you right to the patreon page you can become a tier one subscriber for five bucks it gets you in the discord for these chats interactions uh, as well as submitting questions a lot of the patrons are getting to play with me throughout the day as well you can go higher to get vip access that gets you into q a early um also also, we have higher tiers. If you want to co-host with me, we have some of those co-host episodes coming up very, very soon. We're scheduling all of that. So thank you again for listening and supporting. Um, please continue to use uh, sntrpresents.com and the Patreon to support me. Um, the people who have leaned in in this interim period, it's just been massively helpful uh, to me and my family, and I thank you so much for it. Um, just really more than you know. So last question from Tiger O Stripes. 
quests tend to be very repetitive as it is, but this quest felt even more so because you had to do the interface quest, which included contact public events and gambit or reckoning. Then I had to do the same thing over again for the actual exotic quest. The finding of the fragments was fun uh, and interesting, but the rest was the same stuff I'd done uh, the first time. What could Bungie do in the future exotic quest to make them not be so uh, doing the same things over and over for the millionth time? You know, this again is... I, I, I think this is a good question because we have to be okay with repetition in a game like Destiny. So that's... I'm going to start there. That's my premise. We have to be okay with repetition. Right? But then we have to ask the question. How much repetition is too much? And how much repetition is just mundane player... you know, playtime extension? Um... So that's something I think Bungie needs to be asking. Is this quest too much repetition? Repetition's okay. It's part and parcel to Destiny. But you ask, you have to ask the question. Is this too much? It, it, you know. Is this, is this too much repetition? And is the repetition mundane and needless? And, and as you said, like, I just did this. I just did contact and reckoning. I just, I just did all this. I got to do it again. Um, I think repetition's okay if it's more linear. Go do this, okay? Now go do this, okay? And now go do this, okay? Well, that was a bunch of stuff I've already done, but, you know, that wasn't too bad. Yeah, that wasn't awful. This one was a bit, a little bit too much, almost made, almost like, um, I'd call it boomeranging. If you ever played Borderlands, the pre-sequel, the quest design in the Borderlands pre-sequel game was f- Oh, it was horrible. You literally would run all the way to one side of the map. And they'd be like, cool, now that you got this thing, go all the way back where you just came from. You're like, okay. And you'd go all the way back. And they'd be like, thanks so much for this thing. Uh, Can you go all the way back where you just were? And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, I feel like my, <laughs> I joke with my wife about that. Like, I go upstairs and I do something and then I come all the way back down and she's like, oh, can you go get thus and so? And I'm like, I was just up there. You know, you couldn't shout up the stairs. <laughs> Married people understand this pain. Okay. Married people get it. Uh, or people that live with another person get it. Right. You get, you get this pain. Right. Well, that's what the pre-sequel felt like. It was like, I was just over there. What do you mean? I have to go back. Are you kidding me? I don't want to do that. And then you bring it back to them. They're like, uh, by the way, can you, can you go back over there one more time? It's like, no. And so this quest kind of felt that way. It was like, I just did that. I was just in here. I was just in reckoning. You know, why couldn't you have me do it all at once? You know, why couldn't I have that section of the quest at the same time as, you know, when I was doing, uh, interference or, or whatever the one was called the, the, you know, the, the, the early, the early part or the daily thing. Um, you know, that to me, I, I think is, you know, is, is, is totally, is totally fine to a certain extent, but that's the question they should be asking. You know, these are the questions that, uh, they, they, they should be putting in there, you know? Um, so people submitted more questions. Uh, I did not realize you guys had done, have, had did, have done this. Let me see. Are any of these repeats? 
Iron Banner still, I read that one. How do you feel about the current? Oh, Mave Monk says, how do you feel about the current stat or loot pool in Prophecy? Should Oh, no, I answered that one about the reissues. Oh, here's a new one. How should Bungie tweak ascending armor? Uh, we spoke earlier to the endless loop for leveling weapons in the Destiny, the game, but ascendant armor economy is even more tedious and time consuming as well as consistent and unrewarding. Right. You know, you're going to be, you're going to be replacing armor, you know, once it gets sunset. You, you, you'll, you'll need to you'll need to replace that armor and the amount of currency that you poured into the armor like what we were just talking about like I spend all this time leveling up the armor to get it exactly where I want to get my stats exactly where I want and then if I experiment I, I throw all that into upheaval and I spent so much so much currency getting there and it's just they I would say a really really easy solution here would be to um just give give the currency maybe a little bit more readily available or something you know if the currency was more readily available then we probably wouldn't be having this discussion because then it would be like yeah it's not that hard to level your armor up for frick's sake the stuff's everywhere you know you just go go play this or go play that maybe that's something Bungie needs to consider they could run some reports and be like yeah the currency distribution's not in a good place right now people are going to be trying to replace their armor on a regular basis you know master working armor is so painful right now and if with the way that we're going to be going through and replacing armor Bungie needs to dial that pain and investment down I would say so great question and answer session they are getting longer again and I'm totally fine with that because we're bringing back that chat engagement so hopefully we can get an answer soon as to where I'll be streaming whether or not you know Twitch is going to reverse the ban and we'll go back to Twitch or we'll start streaming on YouTube so if you're a patron thank you so much sntrpresents.com is the best place to go and support me right now those that hang out in the discord every day even if you're not in the discord you're hearing this and you've done the patreon and you've supported me in that way thank you so much Uh, we've got more good things coming more show ideas as well to use through the patreon for more ways for you to interact with the content and have great discussions with me so thank you so much for listening in all the other locations you can find all these episodes on itunes google play spotify or watch them on youtube and as always please like share and subscribe